Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening today. Um, really excited to have Aaron Sauer on the phone. Aaron is in Oklahoma City, and he co-owns Provision Concepts with Jeff Dixon. And they're, uh, man, they're doing some really cool stuff out there. If you go you know, read up on, on what they're doing and the reviews, uh, they've just been successful. They're well-liked in their area. Uh, they've got a great organization at Provision Concepts. They've got um, Sidecar Barley and Wine Bar. Broadway 10 Bar and Chop House, and Hatch Early Mood Food. So several concepts, and we'll get into that with Aaron a little bit today juggle, about juggling those. And um, they have a uh, a really cool line I like, which is eat well and laugh loudly, which is awesome, and that's what we all like to do. So, Aaron, man, thanks for taking the time to do this. You bet. It's my pleasure. So let's get uh, – all right, so to get started here, just share with us your background in the restaurant business and why you got into it and how long you've been involved with it. Absolutely. So uh, I got into the restaurant business when I was real young, and I, I got into it, oddly enough, by taking a class at my local junior college to – it, the the class was called career exploration and it was meant to i took it as a it was a one credit elective my counselor at the time uh recommended it and i basically sat in front of a computer for about 3 hours and answered a whole bunch of questions that were supposed to highlight what i was good at and what I enjoyed doing. I set out to kind of follow in my dad's footsteps and become an engineer and to make this really boring uh, preamble to my to my career uh, a little bit less boring, uh, it pointed out to me that I needed to, to focus on getting out from behind a desk and and doing things that challenged me on a daily basis that provided instant gratification for what I did, mm. for, for what I was going to do. And I always liked the food industry. I always liked the hotel industry. And because of my geographical location in the school I picked, I was positioned to, to attend Oklahoma State University and enroll in their School of Hotel and Restaurant Management program which is highly regarded in the industry. I don't know how many programs are out there or offered uh, countrywide, but um, Oklahoma State certainly has a, a well-respected program. So uh, that's what I did. I ventured off into uh, college shortly after high school and got my degree in hotel and restaurant and uh, hotel and restaurant management, graduated, went to work for Houston's in Dallas. I think they they refer to themselves now as Hillstone, and uh, off I went to the restaurant industry. What um, what carried over from what you learned, and then what was completely different from what you learned? In, in other words, when you started your career, what were what were the things that you felt you were really well prepared and equipped for, and then what were some of the surprises? <laughs> uh, well. College teaches you how to to wake up and show up on time and and respect for your educators, at least in the restaurant industry. 
Um, and it teaches you how to be, I think, better prepared for life. But when I graduated college, what I learned real quick is one thing that I really like about the restaurant industry is, is that it's a, it's kind of an old school industry where you, there's, there's nobody there that's going to kind of carry you through. You're, you're evaluated on your performance and you only get as far as you carry yourself. So if you show up to, to work with a restaurant degree, thinking that you're going to get somewhere in the restaurant industry <laughs> without hard work, you're going to, you're going to fail miserably. So it's a, it's a start from the bottom, work your way up type of industry that is very rewarding. Do you see more people today expecting to sort of earn their stripes quickly than you did when you graduated or is is it still without without question. Yeah. I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. No, no, I'm just I mean that's that's what I'm curious. I seem to hear that some. I'm curious your thoughts about that, and if it's an issue, you know, what do you what do you do about it? If it's a cultural kind of thing or a generational thing, that is. Uh, I definitely think it's a generational thing. You can't, with any degree, you can't come out of college expecting to get your get your letter jacket. You know what I mean? Uh, just because you got the paperwork. Backing you, you've got to go in and 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 earn your stripes. You've got to work hard to 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 make it to that level that you that you want to be. You you can't expect. I guess you can expect somebody to carry you that carry carry you there, but it's it's going to be disappointing for you when you get out there. I think the I think college is like I said. I think it it certainly prepares you for life. But it doesn't prepare you for the business world per se because it's it's you know it's more doggy dog than anything. At least, like I said, at least for the restaurant industry. How do you um, how do you manage that, and how do you re-engineer the thinking of young folks that come and join your team? Well, you you have to manage it. And you have to adapt to to manage those type of individuals. But I would say uh, the best way that I've seen the management of those type of individuals is to you kind of have to just let them fail on their own, mm-hmm. or or um, or they won't learn. And and then the natural attrition will will weed out the the good ones from the bad ones. So. Uh, it's difficult because of the mentality behind it, but um, I think there's still enough. I think there's still. I think there's still enough individuals out there with a strong work ethic that can kind of raise the tide within a group of individuals. You know, within a, a group of staff that can help. And you just have to find those individuals and keep them. So the culture of your gotcha. staff remains remains that way. So it's de- it's definitely something that you have to create. You can't you can't just hope that 
what you're doing is going to reprogram these individuals that have come into the workforce entitled. On that note, t- tell me about the culture that you have instilled at Provision Concepts. What are you really trying to accomplish with your culture? Well, we're trying to accomplish a culture. <laughs> you know, a lot, a lot of places don't even have culture, and we're yeah. trying to uh, we're trying to adapt our culture. Uh, I think we set out to to change the the. We wanted to kick off with a culture that was different from where we came from, um, which was more employee focused. So I would I would say that the, our our culture definitely starts there. We're definitely employee focused, where we want to pay a debt of gratitude to the individuals that help us on a daily basis do what we do, mm. and the restaurant industry, uh, much like most industries, are held up by the overwork and you know underpaid people, and it's. You can't always pay him what you want to pay him, uh, but uh, and, and it's hard to figure out how to keep them happy and to reward them without spending cash because we run a business and and we can't just hand out bonuses and 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 fat raises to individuals that make tips primarily. You know, most of our employees make tips, so. Uh, we try to reward them as much as we can. We try to say thank you more times than than we say hello. So on a on any given day. Uh, yeah, man, I, I really like that a lot. By the way, um, it's uh, hard to pull off sort of a uniform concept or culture that is across probably across multiple concepts. So you guys have three of them. Um, to give me, help me. Tell me the story of Provision Concepts. You were at Houston's. Did Jeff work there? And what led to you guys starting your your business together? So uh, Jeff Dixon and myself, we both attended Oklahoma State. Uh, we didn't know each other then, but we came out of Oklahoma State, and we met at a, um, a restaurant group here locally. We both worked there for a, a really long time, learned a lot about the business there, and uh, we kind of both capped out in terms of growth. So we were both uh, general managers. Uh, we had zero ownership in the entities that that we were running. That was that was something that was important to us. And uh, as with, with any other business, as you go up, the the competition, uh, well, not the competition, but the, uh, the the your growth rate starts to slow down a little bit. So. Hmm. Uh, we looked at each other and said, could we do this on our own? And uh, when we decided the answer was yes, we took a leap um, with Broadway 10, opened up a 8,000 square foot steakhouse. We call it a chop house because uh, steakhouses are kind of overdone in, in uh, the U.S., especially in this area. Mm-hmm. It cut our teeth on that on that big project in in then jumped right into Sidecar Barley and Wine Bar, which is just probably 100 yards from Broadway 10. It's just a nice little uh, high-end Barley and Wine Bar that has a, a you know, massive garage door that opens up. The, the whole space becomes essentially an open-air 
type establishment when the when the garage door is up and from there we kind of concentrated our our growth within the the density of the of the neighborhood that we were in we're, we're in an area called automobile alley which is in oklahoma city uh, a real popular district because of its i guess its character because of all the old buildings that were built by you know the big auto manufacturers from the 20s so what a, a big group of developers were doing uh, about a decade ago was was buying up all this land and kind of redoing all these old old buildings and uh, diversifying them They're, they were diversifying their tenants to make it a more desirable area so we came in and we we were uh through the i guess the the um through the ability of my business partner Jeff to kind of walk the area and foresee the the growth uh potential in the district we we lease Broadway 10 and have kind of dominated this neighborhood's uh market for food so uh the next came hatch which was a breakfast concept so if you if you kind of look we've got breakfast we've got um dinner or lunch and dinner with Broadway 10 and we have uh an after kind of an after dinner concept with sidecar and then since then since those three concepts we've also expanded uh to another area in Oklahoma City that's growing it's a brand new development it's called Chisholm Creek and we we're opening up our second sidecar barley and wine bar there so it's been good so you mentioned your partner Jeff's ability to sort of walk the area and project you know the potential growth and future of a, of an area what how do you do that is it i mean what do you, what are you looking for how do you find an area where you, you go let's plant our flag here we believe this is going to be a great area to do business this is a good location and um i mean other than something that's already there and existing and you know sure how do you foresee that so for us because we we were tapped into the uh, we were already tapped into the restaurant industry here working in working in the in the market already so when we decided we wanted to do a high-end establishment we knew we knew we had to be close to downtown um there's another district called Bricktown that we didn't want to be in because it it was it's it's still a, a desirable location but it's kind of played out in terms of the next hot spot at the i guess timing kind of played a, a role too so uh we knew the area the type of food and the type of establishment we were opening kind of dictated that it had to be close to downtown. We wanted to pick up on the the, the high-end business dinners, the, the concentration of, of just commerce, and uh, we wanted to pick up on uh, the, the need for conference area, like private rooms, mm-hmm. um, private rooms and business dinners. So that was kind of just the process of elimination so to speak auto alley was kind of up and coming and there was a lot of work being done in that area to to improve the the infrastructure and just the overall appeal of the area 
So he literally just one day set out to walk the streets of in that area, and the space was available. So there was a there was a sign on the window through a management group, and he called it. So you're you're leasing. So we are leasing that space, correct? Do you lease all your spaces, or is it a mixture of own and lease, or? Because of the area we want to be in, we're leasing all of the spaces that, gotcha. we're, that we're in right now. Correct. Hard to buy into those areas, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they were picked. They were they were picked through uh, about a decade ago. What do you think are some of the important uh, things that people may overlook that wind up being really critical pieces of of uh, negotiating a good lease, if anything, that you can think of? Overall price. The the overall price per square foot, it has to be right, and and then the the length of time that uh, the length of time that you can be there, and yeah. the 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 percent that the that the that the lease space goes up every time your 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 lease renews. So in terms of what they overlook, I I guess I can only turn to turn to um, you know, uh, the time necessary to build out a space is important. You don't want to be you don't want to be building. You don't want to be uh, under construction and paying rent. That's not ideal. Um, that's always an important factor to, to negotiate into your lease. And uh, that would be it. Find the space and tell them why it's important for them to cut you a deal for you to be there. Sell them on why you'd be the best for that area. Um, yeah. And what about your uh, going back to Broadway Ten? How long did you plan that? That was your first one, so it may have taken longer to plan, I guess. Or tell me if I'm wrong. But how long did you spend planning that concept and getting to where you thought, okay, we can do this? From start to finish, it took a year exactly. Okay. Gotcha. And that was mm-hmm. starting the concept, writing the business plan, finding the space, leasing it, yep. building it out, and opening your doors? Yep. Okay. Um, gotcha. Yeah, almost exactly one year. What made you – okay, so you opened a chop house. You had experience, and you guys had kind of topped out in terms of your growth where you were. But what got you over the top with – making that leap of faith of going from being a part of somebody else's vision to having your own and taking that big risk. Man, we talk about that all the time. I think a lot of it has to do with just the type of person you are. Um, mm-hmm. I think there's people that like to to live within certain parameters that keep them comfortable and keep mm-hmm. them fed. And that's great. Um, and then there's there's the type of individual that is just always hungry for more and wants to know what's on the outside of that, you know, that gate. That uh, it just pushes you to to be able to to take that risk and then and then deal with the consequences of that risk, whether whether good or bad. So I think it's definitely a mindset and, a, and just the, 
the type of person you are. I, I don't think anybody. I don't think just anybody could could um, handle some of the day in and day out uh, pressures or stress associated with owning their own business. It's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just it's just difficult. You need, yeah, it is. You need that wiring. Um, did you all uh, raise money, or did you bootstrap it, or how did you get your first one started for funding? Combina- combination of both. So uh, we raised we raised cash, and uh, we uh, we uh, our co borrowers are on a loan as well. So uh, every deal since then has been primarily raising cash, finding the investors, and putting the deal deal together that way. Anything so, in particular you look for it, when you... Whatever it takes. Yeah. What about investors? Any, like anything in particular you're looking for in terms of maybe there's a lot of people that have the money, but then you want to make sure you pick the right kind of investor? Is that fair to say? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you have to pick the right investor. So we we've learned a lot in terms of picking the right investors. You just can't take anybody's cash. Um, we're looking for individuals that are um, that have the that have the money to do it, uh, obviously, and that are looking to kind of diversify just their investment portfolio. So hmm. uh, investing in one restaurant. Um, isn't necessarily going to make you rich, but it's going to it's going to earn you money, and it's going to if you find the right person to invest with, and it's going to be something that uh, you should be able to be willing to lose that money as easily as you are not investing into the concept. Does that make sense? So when you invest into a restaurant, you better be willing to lose that money because if not, you're, it's going to it's going to drive you crazy. So we're looking for the investor that's that's that can trust us with their cash and not need it to be something that they check in on on a monthly basis because there's peaks mm-hmm. and valleys, you know, much like the stock market. Yeah. Okay. That's really good advice. I would imagine a lot of folks <clears throat> jump the gun and get the wrong kind of investor. I bet if you had one breathing down your neck all the time, it would really make it hard to just stay focused on the business. Right. And, right. Uh, well, let me ask you this. Um, so, okay, so you had the first one. How long was it before you um, got Sidecar? Was Sidecar Barley in Wine Bar? Was that the second concept? That was the second, yeah. It, it was almost a, a two-for-one deal because when we signed the lease for Broadway 10, the gentleman that we were working with the day that we signed the lease for Broadway 10 wanted to show us the space where Sidecar is now. So within about, gosh, within this, maybe even the same week, we signed another lease. I can't recall the, the length of time between when we signed, but we uh, we found the site uh, almost simultaneously uh, as we did with Broadway 10. So it was a kind of a two for one deal. So same building owners, um, same management group, just a, a different opportunity. 
Gotcha. Okay. Um, okay, so changing gears a little bit. This is more sort of high-level or philosophical type stuff, but what um, what do you love about the restaurant business, and then what are the things that uh, frustrate you most about the restaurant business? So two-part question. Yeah. Um, well, I, th- I think you can start with either one. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I think I mentioned already what I what I truly love about the restaurant industry is is I think that it's one of the I think it's one of the last remaining industries out there where you can literally get a job out of high school, bussing tables or cleaning dishes, and and work your way up into the the highest of ranks, if not becoming an owner yourself um, type industry. So there's no, there's no, um, there's no gates that are going to keep you down like there are in other industries where certain degrees are required or uh, just having a degree is required before you can be promoted to uh, the next level. So there's nothing that's going to hold you back. It's all it's solely performance, and I and I love that because it ends up it ends up being almost like a sport, where your employees are like athletes. The, the better the better you are, the 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 higher you go up in the ranks. So nothing prevents you from succeeding, I guess. Mm. No, the, the the politics are kind of removed, and it's solely performance. And I would say one of the things that I don't particularly care for about the restaurant industry is, is it's, it's it's something that you are it's it's every guest. It's I mean it's an every 45 minute to an hour and 15 minute transaction that you're focused on. So it is which is kind of a it's a that's kind of a two part answer because that's kind of what creates the love of the restaurant industry is the fast and the in the in the the blow and the go and the changing of of the environment at all at any given time but you know you got to manage each transaction each guest and if you don't you can fail really easily so you're constantly juggling hmm. gotcha gotcha that's good stuff. Um, so actually on, on that note, on your first note, I mean, it really is a meritocracy, but you guys, you and Jeff kind of hit your ceiling, if you will. Um, are you, I guess you, and you're, as you said, you're opening new places. So I guess your group, as you grow, you're giving your team members opportunities to grow with you. It sounds like. Correct. Unlimited opportunities. Yeah. If, if. If they want to pitch an idea, we're open. If they want to, um, if they want to venture off and and do their own deal, we're here to help them. We didn't get that kind of support from our previous employer. That was my next question: is, is talk about you know folks that may be inspired and, like you said, are wired just a certain way, mm-hmm. just have the need to do their own thing. So you're supportive of that. You try to help them sort of with the rising tide lifts all boats kind of philosophy, I guess. Oh yeah. Big time. Big time. That's mm. in, in, in that mentality will will create that culture I'm talking about. So wanting a culture and creating a culture is two 
two totally different things. You can want something all you want, but you have to create it yourself. And the culture is created by individuals. It's not something that a, that a company can just form uh, or or engineer. It's it's created by certain individuals with, that are leading that 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 company. Absolutely, so absolutely. The, the, the the culture that I thought that we would have um, at Provision Concepts compared to the culture that we have now is not very far off, but it's a little bit different. And the one that I that I thought we would have was one that I was trying to engineer. The one that we have is something that has just happened organically, naturally. And you just fostered that process. Mm-hmm. Sure. Just by just by making having some sort of culture an important priority of ours. Excellent. Um what is uh what are some things that you think you know have never and will never changed about the restaurant business? And on the flip side, what are some of the changes that you see happening around you now? Um I see the things that that aren't going to change are the things that we've kind of already touched on. The performance driven um hardworking just start from the bottom move to the top type structure i don't think are ever going to change it at least in the good restaurants around the world the the things that i do see changing is i see um i see too much regulation uh, by the government on the restaurant industry that will will thin out the 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 non corporate type restaurant groups so the provision concepts of the world that really don't have a lot of money to not not money but uh resources or manpower to to manage some of the some of the things that um, can stifle a restaurant group. So um, I see that changing, and then I, I also see just the well, overall well, let me, hold on, let me ask you. A, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I want give me an example. Like what, what's a, what's an example? I'm really interested in that of uh, you know the heavy hand of government making it hard for smaller restaurant groups. So any type of any type of push to take away the ability for a restaurant group to employ people and pay them a certain amount. So um restaurants don't work paying your employees a minimum wage. Uh the 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 restaurant industry is tip based. Um the the um Stepping in and saying uh, salaried employees can only work X amount of hours before you pay them X amount of dollars, that will stifle the restaurant industry. That will stifle growth in the restaurant industry, new growth. So, mm. uh, you know, there's there's a there are rewards to working in the restaurant industry and 
those rewards are the industry itself and what and what that industry can um, offer you in terms of lifestyle and, and cash and you know whatever. And when you start to change that or or influence that dynamic, it changes. It throws it off course a little bit. So that's kind of what I'm I'm getting at. Okay. Makes sense. Gotcha. Sorry to interrupt on that because you had another thought, no, but no, I was no. really curious. What else is changing? Um, okay, so the mentality of the worker. So it's more of a, uh, it's, it's more of a, it, it, the, the hospitality side of it is kind of, I see that diminishing. So when I go out to eat at other restaurants, I see, um, I see employees that are just taking orders and just kind of following kind of basic guidelines as to how to take care of somebody. So the, the, I see the hospitality side of it kind of kind of diminishing a little bit. If that which sense. is tough because, no, it makes sense, which is, a, I would imagine, a big challenge for you all because that's part of why we go out. That's part of what we're, <laughs> we're paying for. We want somebody to welcome us into their home, so to speak. Um, and it, it, it is, I mean, the food's important, the ambience is important, but the service and hospitality part of it is, is really just a, a linchpin to the whole <laughs> yeah. industry, it seems to me. That's kind of what it's all about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a tough one because it really is a uh, an interesting generational issue. Which, um, but you know, I guess in some ways it gives you um, some. You know, if you're able to understand that and manage that and um, motivate through that, then it gives you a certainly an edge over um, uh, maybe other folks. But, um, but I, th- I mean, gosh, I would agree. Uh, you you could you can really capitalize on that by providing that that missing component and you'll you'll stick out and you'll uh you'll become more successful for it it really you know uh, uh, one guy I interviewed said um you know he said the question you always ask is how do i um make somebody care about you know the, the glass that they're polishing because that glass is a little detail to them, but it's it's just part of the whole experience, and that, all these things have to come together, right? And um, that's a that's really a foundational, philosophical, personal way of looking at the world, right? I mean, if you've been raised mm-hmm. right, and you think whatever I do, I'm going to do it my best. Um, it may be certainly something that we're trying to instill into our children, but you do. I, I, I I'm I'm kind of dumbfounded sometimes as to why that's not more prevalent nowadays um, than it is. Um, so I'm, I'm curious to see how this continues to, to play out, especially when you're having to pay people more. <laughs> May not have that mentality. Right. Um, well, let's see here. Aaron, I, I know you're a busy guy, and I don't want to keep you too long. Um, is there anything else that, that – uh, you would pass along to folks that might be listening that, you know, um, admire the success you all have had, would, would, you know, maybe hope to own their own place one day, want to replicate some of the things you all have done. Anything else we didn't touch on you think that's important? Um, you know, I think the 
I think the the biggest unknown for most people is just how to achieve something. And mm-hmm. the 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 only answer I can give on that is is just to go out and do it without the fear of failure and you'll be blown away with your capabilities and what you're able to achieve. Well, I tell you what, man, it's great advice and that fear is what keeps holds people back and um if you're able to overcome that, man, it really does lead to some rewarding stories like yours. And I just, I tip my hat. I admire what you and Jeff have done. And uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. And I wish you all lots of continued success. And we appreciate, you know, uh, from Schedule Fly, I appreciate the business and, and um, love serving you all, man. So I, I really thank you very much. You bet. It's our pleasure. It really is. All right, man. Aaron, have a good one, and uh, always around if you need anything, man. Thanks so much. You too, man. All right, take care. All right, see you. You too. Bye-bye.